You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Hey, I'm all right. Keeping an eye out on the Gulf. This is, uh, as we record this Tuesday morning, it's a bit of a thing. May impact uh, my area, although I, I doubt that. But it seems almost certain to affect the Alabama Ole Miss football game. Yeah, that is probably where we should start, even though, frankly, I mean, this podcast is um, going to be a little time sensitive. I mean, it is close to lunchtime on Tuesday uh, for this Wednesday podcast we're cutting. And um, some things may have changed between the time we do this and the time you actually get to hear it out there. But uh, the the hurricane has strengthened. It is a category four right now. Um, it could be a problem. I, I don't know what the options are, but I would assume that option one is to fi- exhaust all options to get the game played uh, versus trying to move it. And I know that LSU and Missouri are talking about playing in Columbia. I wonder if there would be any talk of Alabama Ole Miss playing in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and I don't know if that would help. Um, Probably. So, um, anyway, I I think all options will be exhausted before the game is postponed. Definitely. Now, Alabama and Ole Miss do have the same off week, so that could happen where they move it to right before the LSU game. But, of course, Alabama doesn't want to do that if they can help it. I think do they'd you much think- rather Here's a good question. Do you think, Luke, that if the SEC office proposes moving the game to Sunday at 11, uh, when you would certainly have zero weather problem and a national audience for at least an hour, <laughs> uh, yeah. do, you, do you think Alabama would say, no, we're not going to do this because, uh, because of how it then com- slightly compresses the schedule to get ready for Georgia. I mean, that might be a consideration for yeah. Alabama going, you know, uh, we're playing Georgia next week. Yeah. Yeah. And that gives us, you know, it gives you one less day, um, right. certainly. And it's, you know, and, and it does throw the schedule off. And we know Saban is a scheduled dude. So, right. um, I, but, you know, you here's the thing. I guess it would come down to this. Would you rather, uh, would would you rather g- play on Sunday, or would you rather play to lose your off week before the LSU game? Is what I think the options would come down to. And my guess is Saban would probably prefer to play on Sunday against Ole Miss. Uh, I would agree. If those are the op- if those are the options, I would play on Sunday against Ole Miss. Now that said. Here's what you can't do, and it's sort of like what the Big Ten did with the virus, and it's sort of like what Texas A&M did with the Hurricane Bowl back in 1988 when there was a very similar circumstance to this. In that Hurricane Bowl instance and in what the Big Ten did in handling the virus, they made the decision completely unnecessarily too soon. Look, you can cancel last minute. You can cancel Friday morning before Alabama gets on the plane. I mean, you can cancel as late as Friday morning, and that is doable. 
So why would you cancel Tuesday when you're talking about a weather event that's very difficult to predict? I think the mistake would be, all right, we're making this huge decision to change everything and we're doing it three days before we have to. That's that's crazy. I, I think everybody just needs to sit tight and assume the game is being played on time in Oxford and then they make, okay, now if we get to Thursday night and, and it still looks bad for Oxford at game time, what are we going to do Thursday night if it still looks bad at that time? But I, I would look more at what's our deadline for making this decision to, to cancel or postpone. Doing it now is just silly. Do it now, and you can almost guarantee 5 o'clock is going to roll around in Oxford Saturday, and it's going to be sunny and 68. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. Um, I think the the best thing to do. I mean, look, we're we're not. I don't think anybody should be in a super hurry. If and I think maybe go ahead and have the contingency of, okay, worst case scenario, we're going to play this thing on. Um, we're going to play this thing on Sunday. That's what we've all decided. You know, we talked about it. We talked about either postponing it or playing on Sunday. Everybody agreed we're going to play it on Sunday. So let's play it on Sunday. I think that's what uh, – If, yeah, we'll say, well, the deadline is Thursday night at 7 p.m., and if things still look bad for the game time Thursday at 7 p.m., then we'll announce that we're moving it to Sunday. But we're going to hang on to Thursday at 7, hopefully Thursday at 7. The hurricane uh, – the, the, the storm has changed tracks, and they've changed the forecast, and now it looks pretty good for Oxford Saturday at 5, so we don't have to change a damn thing. Well, and um, the other thing is – it's easier to move it around right now because you're not really worried about fan support. I mean, that's not a big no, deal. That's right. That's right. So I think it's it's so easy to have moving parts right now. There's no reason to get hurried on this. But yep. uh, the other question would be, if Alabama and Ole Miss just go ahead and decide to play, let's say it does go off track um, and, it, and it goes further west or whatever, I wonder what the weather impact will have on the game and, and who does it benefit? Does, I would right. guess it benefits Alabama if, if you're going, you know, in theory, because Alabama's got the better running backs, they've got the better offensive line. You'd think they'd be able to control the trenches a little bit more and run the ball because everybody else has run the ball on Ole Miss. But the thing is, Alabama's a passing squad right now, so it might be a wash, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, with with weather, the way I look at it is, okay, who's favored to win and how big? If there is some weather or slight weather or a drizzle or a little breeze and a drizzle, I think the game will play out exactly as it would on a bright sunny day. Now, if there is a if the game is played in a torrential downpour, and I mean it is wet as hell, everybody's slipping and sliding. Receivers dropping balls, balls slipping out of the quarterback's hand. Nobody can keep their footing on the ground. If that's the case, you can throw the fact that Alabama is a is a 28-point favorite out the window. Because to me, in the crazy weather games, no one had talent is gone, replaced almost 100% by luck. You know, who's going to be lucky enough to catch the wet ball? I mean, we didn't recruit these five stars because they're great at catching wet balls. No one is recruiting kids out of high school because they can maintain their feet well when it's muddy. I mean, that that's so much to me largely a luck thing. So if I'm Alabama, 
I wouldn't be excited about playing in a torrential, windy downpour because anyone could win that ball game. Uh, I think that's a little bit overplayed because I remember pretty vividly um, LSU hosted Miami or, oh God, I say vividly, then I can't remember if it was LSU, Miami or FSU. I think it was Florida State now that memory serves. And um, it was just an, an awful torrential downpour. And LSU got the absolute dog shit beat out of them. And I, I would say that that LSU team would probably equal this Ole Miss team, and that FSU or Miami team would probably equal this Alabama team. So it, you know, and I know that's just one example, but right. I think that really is overplayed. I think we get into overthinking the weather. Like, yeah, I can't remember see, us you're, being you're, upset because of bad weather. I can remember a couple of real bad weather games Alabama played in, like 2015 Georgia and Athens. That Alabama won. And we handily. beat the hell out of them. We did yeah. beat them handily. And 2001 Southern Miss in Birmingham was probably yeah. about the worst weather I can ever remember Alabama playing in. And Alabama won that game, although not as handily, but Alabama wasn't as good back then. Uh, so, so no, I can't end. point to any Alabama references. I'm just saying, as an Alabama fan, I wouldn't be crazy about playing in a torrential downpour because it, it just takes our talent. And, 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 and that becomes less important that we have more good players than they do. But I don't know about that. Again, I'm going to say if you're better than somebody when it's sunny and 72, you're probably better than that same person when it's uh, a torrential downpour. I mean, it's and, and the fact that you normally catch the ball when it's dry probably means you can catch it better than somebody who doesn't catch it as well as you when it's wet. I mean, that's just, again, I'm, I'm wondering if we're overthinking that. Could but be. one thing you, one I thing totally that didn't. you shouldn't overthink is going to builtgo.com. Go to builtgo.com. Whether you need a, 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 you hit a mental or physical wall, you want to break through it with built go. And, and these these little packets are unbelievable. They give you that shot of energy you need. Um, they, they get you through that little rough patch of the day. Easy to take one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase. You can put it in your backpack. Put it in your golf bag. Put it in your, you know, put it in your shoe. If, you, if that's what you float your boat, just put it in your pocket. Uh, three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Uh, it's loaded with good stuff to ignite you. Uh, beta alanine and B3 and honey and a kick of caffeine. Um, it's got B6, B12, collagen uh, that promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. Just everything you want there in Built Go. That's builtgo.com. Go check them out. Tell them you heard about them from the Locked On folks. Jimmy, um, <clears throat> Mac Jones got another big award, uh, won the National Player of the Week. Um, pretty cool uh, for him, and I think it's very well deserved uh, by the the announced as the Maxwell Player of the Week, Maxwell Football Club. Um, so just the, the honors keep rolling in from him. And then there was also an article written on AL.com uh, by, let's see, Christopher Smith. I knew it wouldn't, Joseph Goodman. Um that says the it's time to start considering betting on Jones to win the Heisman as his odds have um, gone from 25 to one in the preseason now down to 10 to one. <laughs> That's amazing. Of course, it, it would have been better to bet on him at 25 to one, but the point <laughs> remains. 
I mean, it's it's totally amazing. The good news about that national award to me is is it does exactly that. The MAC is now even just two games in is on the, on the national radar for the Heisman. I mean, he's he's on quote the list. He's uh, I, I don't know how short the list is, but he's on the list, uh, which is impressive considering Mac was never not even this summer. Mac has never been a big name in the sport. He wasn't a guy like. I mean, every college football fan knows Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and Chuba Hubbard. Uh, you know, they, they know who these guys are. And, uh, you know, Mac Jones, I don't know. I don't know if you can go up to a random football fan in Oregon and say Mac Jones, you know, a couple months ago, and they know exactly who that is. Uh, now, now they probably do, thanks to awards like this and being mentioned like that, being that high on the Vegas board. So, Mac has put himself in a position to contend for that trophy. Uh, now he just has to accomplish the small feat of playing just as well in the next eight games as he's played in the first two. A um, few notes from Bama players in the NFL. First of all, <clears throat> Damian Harris gets 100 yards exactly. He looked in great the game. last night. The, oh, he looked so good. But I, I, he looked really good because he can get you the tough yards. He had one nice long run, but you could see that mm-hmm. typical Patriot back fashion, he's not a burner. I mean, and he wasn't at Alabama. We joked about it all the time. He'd get caught at the one like nobody's at business. I mean, he just always did. But um, he uh, he looked very good, very strong, confident. Uh, and it, what a weird story that Jarrett Stidham ends up coming in uh, for Hoyer, who looked atrocious, and the Stedham throws a pick six and another interception while throwing a touchdown. But that Damian Harris and Jarrett Stedham were teammates back in yeah. second grade in Kentucky. That's pretty ridiculous because they both end up at rival schools now. They both for the Patriots. Um, and Julio Jones last night set the career reception mark for uh, the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons stink to high heaven, but. He is doing well, again, even though he's fighting through some injuries right now and didn't play in the second half. Julio Jones, to nobody's surprise, is now the career leader in receptions for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, the Falcons are really bad, and I, I think Dan Quinn's getting a little too much blame uh, in, in this one sense. Um, you know, Dan Quinn didn't build this ball club. This ball club was built by the general manager. Dan Quinn is not the general manager of the Falcons. He only coaches the team that the GM, the roster that the GM puts together for him. I have not been a fan of Falcons drafts, even though they made the brilliant move of drafting Julio Jones back in April of 2011. Let's remember they also traded a buttload of picks to move up to get him. And in retrospect, it was the right thing to do, but it's also a good example of the best draft move the Falcons have made in years involved trading away about five picks. So I, I think uh, I think now Dan Quinn is going to be fired. I assure you that's true. But to me, that's sort of like firing the head coach at Wyoming for not winning enough games. Well, no shit, they're not winning enough games. They don't have enough players. So, <laughs> uh, but Quinn's going to be fired. And I looked this up this morning because I, I remembered it from a couple years ago. I'm not predicting that Dan Quinn ends up on Alabama staff. If I was him, I would take all this money he's getting for being fired and just move to St. Thomas and listen to Kenny Chesney albums all day. Uh, But if he wants to continue working in football, Dan Quinn was Nick Saban's defensive line coach for the Miami Dolphins. Both years, Nick was in Miami. 
Quinn would go on later to become the defensive coordinator at Florida, which means he has SEC experience. Not only that, he coached for Will Muschamp, who runs the Nick Saban defense. So Dan Quinn is, I would even say, very familiar with, uh, with how Nick likes to do things on defense. Uh, Will Muschamp had some pretty good defenses at Florida. His offense was the problem there. Um, I think Dan Quinn would be highly intriguing to be a part of Alabama staff. Certainly would have a lot of credibility with recruits for coaching a team to a Super Bowl, and he's a household name for football fans. So just something to keep in the back of your minds. What an odd fantasy you have about retiring and listening to Kenny Chesney. I mean, just uh, <laughs> what a weird place for you to go with all this. But, you know, hey, to each his own, dude. I mean, do your thing, Jimmy. You do you. Working four, working four jobs right now. I go there pretty often. Okay, let's take a break, Jimmy. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, just some odd ends from the SEC. Jimmy, this past weekend, SEC, I mean, it's Wednesday now, not now now, but now when you're listening. Uh, This past weekend, the SEC was odd. Uh, Arkansas gets that first win that we talked about a little bit yesterday. Auburn is destroyed. I mean, and I I could predict the way Auburn fans were going to take this loss. You know, everybody wants to fire Gus, fire Gus. He sucks. This is awful. Fire Gus. Um, But – it very quickly turned, I would say, maybe early this morning or late last night, sort of, you know, well, we kind of shut Georgia down in the second half. Things may be looking up. Uh, you know, it's – and really, Georgia Georgia could have named that score, it felt like. In fact, Georgia got kind of stupid, almost practice-like. They were had it first and goal from the four, and they throw three straight passes, even though – running the ball is what got them down there. It's almost like they were saying, hey, let's work on our passing game a little bit in the red zone and see what happens. (laughs) You know, for one thing, I don't know why this happened. I think this is really on Alabama boards more than anywhere else. And since Georgia's arrival and we've decided as a fan base that we hate Kirby Smart, we just sort of lash out at everything Georgia, no matter how tangential the relationship is. But I say all that to say, you know, Auburn was easily handled by Georgia, who was playing Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Imagine if Jamie Newman had been the quarterback, which was the design. And for those Alabama fans who, for some reason, have an opinion that Jamie Newman is terrible, I, I, I have no clue where this comes from. I can just tell you that the National Football League disagrees. I mean, he's going to be drafted not in the first round, not in the first round, because he didn't play this season, and there's no senior tape of him playing. And and him leaving Georgia is going to raise some eyebrows with the NFL. But you're not a sucky quarterback when when you're taken on day two of the NFL draft. I mean, that, that's where – so the idea that Georgia is somehow more effective with Stetson Bennett than they would have been with Jamie Newman is nuts. To say nothing of the fact that Newman is a really good athlete and just on the RPOs alone, he can burn you. He never even has to throw the ball, and, and he can be pretty effective. But – uh, the idea that Georgia is cobbled together a pretty good football team with a walk-on at quarterback is uh, is something else. But, yeah, Auburn would have got creamed if Newman had stuck around. Uh, I, I believe that to be true as well. And here's the thing. I mean, I don't know where Jamie Newman is going to get drafted, but it's higher than Stetson Bennett the third or fourth or fifth or whatever he is. Um <laughs> 
And, I, and you know, I hate to be that way about his name because I feel like Karma's going to come back and get me just the way the Georgia play-by-play guy screwed up Tua Tungvaloa's name right before the national championship pass. <laughs> so I probably <laughs> should quit true. making fun of the guy's name. Um, hey, I like Stetson. Stetson's actually one of our guys. Uh, he's a QB country guy, uh, oh, really? which just simply means he, he trained with QB country Atlanta for a big uh, uh, chunk of his high school career. Good kid, tries hard, wants to be good. He's always worked hard. He, he's just not gifted. These NFL guys, these first-round NFL guys, Trevor, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, uh, maybe now Kyle Trask, you're talking about gifted kids who also happen to be huge and athletic and strong as hell. Stetson Bennett, the thing that I admire about him is here's a kid who's barely six foot, if that, barely 190, if that, a walk-on, but he has maximized his talent. He has worked his ass off to be as good as he possibly can be, and thus he's made himself into an asset, even for an SEC football team. Uh, So I think that's to be admired. He just wasn't born like Trevor Lawrence, who has basically been the first pick in the draft since his parents took him home from the hospital in swaddling clothes. Yeah. Uh, going back to Auburn just for a second, they um, they just didn't look good. They didn't look together, uh, and I think it all comes down to they they do have talent. I mean, Seth Williams is a, is a great receiver, um, mm-hmm. really good wide receiver. I think uh, Anthony Schwartz is he is very fast. He's a threat. He's fast. Um, I thought Tank Bigsby looked pretty good for a freshman. Good player. Um, good player. Bo Nix, while his his stat line wasn't great. Um, he was running for his life most of the time. And, and frankly, I thought he showed some football awareness, being able to get rid of the ball to avoid a sack on, a, on occasion. Um, but, you know, if you don't have players up front, it just doesn't matter in this league. Nope. And Auburn just doesn't have them. I mean, they got – I mean, and again, see, in the offseason, when we're all going through these practices, people are like, yeah, this guy's, you know – Alec Jackson or whoever is he's blocking really well. Well, what you don't take into account is maybe the guy he's blocking is not very good. And he, he's certainly not Georgia caliber. Um, right. And Georgia's got a freakishly good defense. And so I think it just, it, it exposed Auburn to a degree about their, their lack of um, good players along both fronts. However, I'll also say Auburn won't play defenses like that all year long. So I think people counting on Auburn to just go five and five now are a little foolish. Um, And I say all this because I just saw a tweet from Clint Lamb, and this is what he says about Alabama and Ole Miss, speaking of in the trenches. The Ole Miss defensive line averages 283.8 pounds. The Alabama offensive line averages 334.2 pounds. That's a 50.4 difference, pound difference. I mean, that's that's why I don't think it matters if it rains, if it snows, if it storms, if it hails. I mean, Alabama's just got the line to to make Hope things happen. Yeah. Hope it snows. And it would be cool if it snowed. Um, <laughs> but see, and, that, and see, that's what everybody's going to – it's going to be trendy for people to pick Ole Miss to upset a bunch of folks. Now, granted, Ole Miss was at a deficiency with Kentucky, too, uh, in terms of the the line play. But I'm going to, again, stand on this hill where that non-touchdown call against Auburn right before the half, that may have ruined Kentucky's season mentally. They're, they're just – they don't have the the history to get over something like that. They just don't. 
Um, they they that you could tell it took all the air out of them and give Auburn credit for continuing and going on and winning the game. But uh, I think that screwed Kentucky for the rest of the year. I really believe that. No, that's and, a great um, that's that's a great observation. We're going to talk about it on Friday when we do our predictions, and, and I don't know who I'm going to predict to win that game just yet. But I think under the radar, the, the quiet SEC game of the week. Everybody's going to point to Georgia, Tennessee, right? I think the quietly the game of the week is Kentucky and Mississippi State, and, and yeah. I'll say it for this reason, for the exact reason you just said. If Mississippi State loses the game. So now they've lost to Arkansas and Kentucky in consecutive weeks. Their upset win over LSU is flushed down the toilet. It no yeah. longer matters because they're reeling if they lose to those two teams and the LSU win means nothing. Or Mississippi State wins the game. Now Kentucky's 0-3 with the losses to Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And you're asking yourself rightly, other than Vanderbilt, where is Kentucky getting the wins? Where, what is their path to five and five? So whoever loses that Kentucky-Mississippi State game is pretty screwed. No, I think that's, that's a good point. Just like we said in week one that the uh, South Carolina-Tennessee game was a must-win for both coaches, and I think that may right. have proven to be true because We're now right. South Carolina – South Carolina's gone on to lose to Florida. Um, they got Vandy this weekend, which is, I mean, was a must. Vandy's always a must win, right? But, oh, yeah. um, and then they've got Auburn next weekend at home. And what's going to be weird about that is I think some people are going <coughs> to say, well, Auburn's not that good. You need to take care of business at home. And South Carolina can't do it. Oh, South Carolina can't beat this Auburn team. I mean, anyway. This um, we say Vanderbilt is a must-win. People laugh. Think think of it this way: Just Will Muschamp is probably yeah. Will Muschamp is probably going to be fired at the end of this season. I mean, that's what I would bet is going to happen: is that this is Muschamp's last season, and he's going to lose too many games and be fired at the end of the season. If South Carolina loses to Vandy Saturday, Will Muschamp's going to be fired Sunday. He won't make it to the end of the season. Yeah. They might tarmac him. They might Lane Kiffin him. Um, so anyway, we, we'll talk more about this Lane Kiffin too, because Lane Kiffin's done a hell of a job sucking up to Alabama here the last couple of days. And, um, you know, what's interesting about this old Miss game is Lane Kiffin, you know, th this game is so big, uh, because it, 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 there's so many things at stake. First of all, it'd be Lane Kiffin beating Nick Saban, which would be just monstrous. It would be a former assistant beating Nick Saban, which would be the first time ever. It would be the first time Alabama has lost to a non-ranked opponent since 2007. I mean, there are a lot of streaks on the line here. And so, yeah, this is a big game. Um, and anyway, we'll talk more about it as the week goes on. But for now, roll tide, everybody. Roll tide. <laughs>